Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hi, my name is Sandy Tutwiler, and I will be reading from Ephesians 3. I ask that God will strengthen you in your inner selves from the riches of his glory through the Spirit. I ask that Christ will live in your hearts through faith. As a result of having strong roots in love, I ask that you'll have the power to grasp love's width and length, height and depth, together with all believers. I ask that you'll know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge so that you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sandy, for a reading for us today. Well, happy February. Is it just me or is it just one day you're like, it's February already? Man, it just flies by. And and it's kind of the way the first half of the year goes anyway. I mean, you have that, and then you have, uh, and then the next thing you know, it's spring break, and the next thing you know, it's Easter, and then it's end of the school year. It just rushes by. It just flies by. Well, um, one of the things that I, I learned from uh, some firefighters I've known in my life is that when they go to a place where there is something on fire, they don't run into that building. They walk. As they explained to me, they walk because you might miss something really important if you run in. You might miss that person laying on the floor in the corner. You might miss that wall about to collapse. So you walk in. So in in the onslaught that this time of year will be from now for the next few months, I think there's times for us to walk, for us to pause. For us to reflect, to notice as we go. So, in these weeks, uh, this series that we begin now, uh, Crucial Connections for a Vital Faith, and then, uh, then the Lent series that we'll do on Sundays, uh, uh, be addressing some of the important Christian beliefs that we have in the, in the sense of uh, connection and mission and ministry that we have in the world. And so, it'll be important for us to take some time and, and do that, to notice these things as we go so we don't miss things. The last series we did, uh, of course, was uh, God-sized questions, and we took those real gigantic questions of, you know, is the Bible true? Is it creation or evolution? Uh, does God, why does God allow suffering? And uh, can I be Christian if I have doubts? Those big, giant questions that we, uh, we talk about, we think about, and shrug our shoulders and say, well, I'll ask God someday. Well, this series will be about what does it look like to have the connection with God, with one another, and with the world in a way that our faith is growing and vital. I heard a presentation this week on a a book that's just been released titled, Awe, The New Science of Everyday Wonder. Awe. You know, the, the things that you, you, you see or you participate in and you just have that moment where you're like, wow, this is far bigger than I could have even imagined. This is, this is something beyond myself. It's, it, you know, it, and you can have that feeling easily when you're at places like the Grand Canyon or the Sistine Chapel or something like that. Those moments of awe that strike you. But this, this book makes the point that it's important to look for, for those experiences even in your daily life. 
What are those things in, a, in your day that you can pause for a moment and have that moment of awe? I mean, I, I'll give you, I'm just going to give you some easy examples. I mean, sometimes a sunrise. Um, I don't know about you, but Lubbock is not the most picturesque city in the world. But that sunrise, I was having breakfast. I was there to take my mom to a doctor's appointment, and, and I was eating in the cafe at the hotel and looked out the windows and saw that sunrise. And it was just stunning, beautiful. Or, or how about a sunset? Yeah, seeing the sunset over the gulf, I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. And just to soak that in for a little bit. Or, or what, about, what about living things, even little living things? That's a walking stick. It's a stick that walks. Have you ever seen one? They're crazy, right? I mean, it literally looks like a stick that has legs and it moves around. Or this, look at this moth. I mean, when you look at the markings and the shape of the wings, and then you see a different moth, and it looks completely different. I mean, the wonder of how these things happen. Or, or here's one that's close, near and dear to a lot of people, you know, people's heart. I mean, right, the birth of a child, that's an awesome thing. Or holding a, holding a baby, or, or seeing a child de- grow and develop. Right, that that one week they they couldn't do something, and now all of a sudden they're they're doing the army crawl, you know, through through the kitchen. It's awe. We have a lot of flowers out here, uh, certainly in meadows, and certain times of the year you can see flowers everywhere. But if you really look, really pay attention, do you know how many things bloom? How many things have a little flower on them? If you really pay attention, they're all over the place. And then even in harsh conditions, you can have flowers growing out of a crack in a rock. It's crazy. Awesome things. They give us that moment of, that pause, of, of, of a moment of, wow. That's just kind of amazing. It's pretty typical for the Bible to describe an encounter with God as being an experience of awe and wonder. Well, sometimes the language, you know, uh, the word that's used is uh, fear. You know, uh, that doesn't mean fear for your life. It, it really means something like awe, like, oh my goodness. Well, today's scripture points to that becoming an even larger part of our life. Ephesians is, is kind of two sections, um, uh, two halves. The first half is is all very theological, big picture, grand scheme of things kind of uh, writing. And then the second half is very much, okay, and now here's what the difference that makes in your life today when you stop at the store on the way home, when you go to school tomorrow, when you go to work tomorrow, when you go to the, to the gym, when you, whatever it is. This is what it looks like to live it out. And so, and so that, that reading that Sandy did was at the, the end of that first section, and it's a prayer. It's a prayer uh, that uh, scholars differ on who actually wrote it. We're going to say Paul wrote it today just to make it easy. But I, we're going to look at it again because it's stunning. Sometimes we read it and we run through it and we miss things. He writes, I ask that God will strengthen you in your inner selves 
from the riches of his glory, from the riches of God's glory, through the Spirit. I ask that Christ will live in your hearts through faith. As a result of having strong roots in love, I ask that you'll have the power to grasp love's width and length, height and depth together with all believers, that you will understand the fullness of the, of, of the depth and the expression of love in all places, in all directions, in all time. That's stunning to have that grasp of love. I ask that you'll know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge. Wait. I ask that you will know something that is unknowable. That you will know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge and that you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. That you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. That's stunning language. That's an amazing image to think of, of understanding the height and depth and width and length of love and all of its expressions and, 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 and to be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. That's pretty amazing. So how does that happen? <laughs> how does that work? How do you get there? What, I mean, it's one thing for... Paul to pray that uh, for people, but what does that mean? <clears throat> How do you get there? We're accustomed to working with goals, right? We have goals all over the place, whether it's school, whether it's uh, work, whether it's what, whether it's uh, your your fitness trainer, uh, whatever. Yet we have goals, and we use smart goals, right? It's got to be specific. What exactly are you going to do? Specific. It's got to be um, uh, measurable. You have to measure it. You have to know that you've made progress. It has to be achievable, certainly. You can't, don't shoot for the stars yet, just achievable. Relevant, does it make sense in your life? Does it make sense in your work? And time-bound, in other words, when are you going to have it done by? So you, so you chart that out so that you know, well, the day's going to come and I achieve that goal and I check that box. Whew. I'm done. Well, I don't think we quite get there <laughs> uh, to be filled with the fullness of God using smart goals. Paul's prayer is not about smart goals, but it's about it's about building a, a character, building being a person that God intends us to be. <clears throat> Excuse me. So good. So good news for us is that we're part of the Methodist heritage. Uh, John Wesley started the Methodist movement in uh, 18th century England, started it uh, in order to reform the church and the nation, he believed. So uh, just a few practical things about John Wesley that are good to know. Uh, John Wesley emphasized practical divinity. I mean, that's kind of what Ephesians is all about. You got the divinity to begin with, and then you got the practical. John Wesley, he could argue theology, sure. He knew theology. He was educated at Oxford. But then it was, okay, but what does that mean now? What does that mean in your neighborhood? What does it mean in your workplace? Practical divinity. Uh, an emphasis on grace uh, in all of its respects. The, the notion that grace is truly a gift of God. Um, we, don't, we don't deserve it. We don't earn it. Before we even knew we needed it, God reaches out in love and forgiveness to us. He believed in Christian perfection. <laughs> 
Christian perfection. We clergy in the, in the Methodist, United Methodist Church, when we're ordained, the bishop asks us a series of questions that are, uh, are the questions that John Wesley used to ask of his preachers. One of those questions is, do you expect to be made perfect in love in this lifetime? Now, the right answer, of course, is yes. So what we say, everybody says, yes, with the help of God. I mean, be made perfect in love. Now, even John Wesley was like kind of doubtful it would ever, you'd ever really be able to be perfect by the end of your life. But at the same time, he believed in moving in that direction. You experience uh, means of grace. Those, those uh, opportunities, those venues, those uh, moments, those vehicles where you experience God's grace in different ways. Uh, you know, uh, baptism, worship, communion, Bible study, those kinds of things. And he believed that the church is the residence of the Holy Spirit. Or at least that's the way he conceptualized it. The church, he, he wasn't saying there's, the Holy Spirit doesn't work outside the church building, but, but it, the, the, conceptualizes it as the church is the residence of of the Holy Spirit. So this is where we are formed. This is where we learn the various aspects of love. This is where we begin to know what it even looks like to be filled with God's glory. This is where we support one another in our efforts to learn and grow. This is where we band together to know we need to go out to make a difference in the community. It's, this is the residence of the Holy Spirit at work in and through us. That's what church is for. I mean, uh, uh, if, if you're a musician, well, church is, band, is the band hall. All right, that's where, that's where the instruments are, where the music is. That's where you get instruction. That's where you practice. That's where you work to make sure you get it uh, as close as you can so that you can go out on Friday night in March or you're on that stage for the orchestra concert. It's the, it's the training room practice facility where you go to work, you, you go through drills, and you learn the fundamentals, and you learn to work with your team so that on game day, you're ready to go. It's the science lab where you've learned all these things about science, but you're like, okay, but we're going to have to put this to use and see what happens here in the lab so that we know how that works out in the world. That's what the church is for. A few months ago, uh, we had a facilitator come in to lead uh, a conversation among some people. There were about 30 people from our church that met with him. His name is Scott Sharp, and uh, he he was there to facilitate a conversation called Holy Excavations. And the idea is, is through conversation, you excavate, you mine the the values and the things of importance in a congregation and lift those up uh, uh, to begin also to think what's, what's next steps for us. So, so we, he did that. And one of the things he said uh, right away in his report, he said it was clear that the people that were there love Stonebridge United Methodist Church. These people love their church. He said that was clear from everybody that was there for the whole time. And he said everybody was engaged. Everybody was fully engaged. Uh, this was six hours. They were fully engaged the entire time. And he said, you know, he, he's done those f- facilitations where uh, he has trouble getting people to talk. He said that was not a problem here. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some of you are chuckling, you know. Yeah, it was, they were engaged. They loved this church. One of the questions that uh, was put out for discussion and reflection, the question was, what biblical narrative does this congregation inhabit right now? What biblical narrative, what Bible story, what Bible imagery does this congregation seem to live in right now? And so there were, there were different things uh, bantered around, of course. The, the one that got the most uh, conversation that, was ban- that seemed to resonate with people the most was the biblical image of wandering in the wilderness. Um, you know, after the Israelites, they'd been slaves in Egypt, and Moses leads them out, uh, the exodus out of Egypt, and then they wandered. I get it. What is the next right step for the church? A lot has changed. <laughs> a lot has changed. Even in recent history, church, church world has been changing pretty rapidly for the last 20 years. But man, in the last three years, there's churches all around the world trying to figure out what is the next right step. There are nonprofit organizations trying to figure out what's the next right step. There are for-profit businesses that are trying to figure out the next step. Yeah, what, where are we headed exactly and what does that look like? That's true for the church as an organization. That's true. That'd be true of most churches. That's true of an organization. But the church as residents of the Holy Spirit does not change. Church is the place where we learn the depths of God's love doesn't change. The church is the place where we band together knowing we've got to work things out so we can go out into the world to make a difference. That does not change. That keeps going. That kept happening through the pandemic. That does not change. And when we're not sure of the next step, do we turn right or do we turn left? We know the thing we do. It is to form faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what we're here to do. That will not change. That we can be sure of. There's a little bit more to that prayer in Ephesians. I asked Sandy to read just that that part of it, but there's a little bit more. This is what it says. Glory to God who is able to do far beyond all that we can ask or imagine by his power at work within us. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and always. Amen. But, I mean, read, get that first part again. God who is able to do far beyond all we can ask or even imagine through the power of God's work in us. Things we don't even know can happen. God can accomplish it through God's power in us. I don't know about you, but that, that gives me that sense of awe and sense of, wow, God can do that? That's amazing. But here's the kicker. Before we can get there, we have to do a step that often when we rush through the reading of the Scripture, we, we miss it. We miss it. We, we read it and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we miss exactly what it means. And that is the first step is surrender. 
<laughs> it is submission. I mean, right? We say, I, I give my life to Christ. Right. Submit. Surrender, God. My life is yours. Now, I don't mean you let people push you around. I don't mean you don't make decisions. I mean, I mean in our relationship with God, my life is yours. We surrender. And through that, and through our participation and cooperation with God's grace, God's power begins to be known in us. And we more and more become those people that God wants us to be. We more and more live out the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. We more and more are able to witness to God's goodness and glory in the world. Some of us uh, have, have at one time or another been at a church where to take communion, you, you had to kneel. And, and that's, that's fine. That's appropriate. I mean, other churches don't do that. We don't, do, we don't typically do that. But even when we come for communion, we invite you to extend your hands, which is an act of submission. I need to receive. When you kneel, that's clearly an act of submission. I need to receive the goodness and the grace and the power of God through Jesus Christ. Well, John Wesley felt so strongly about communion and the power of communion that, that he believed it could be a converting grace. This is, this is why we, we practice open communion. We invite anybody who wants to come to communion to come because, you know, there are those churches that say you can't take communion here if you're not a member. In the Methodist tradition, it's like, yeah, you can come take communion because we believe the power of God is so real in communion that actually a person might be converted. A person might go from unfaith to faith through the act of communion. This is a means of grace, a way in which we can experience God's grace in new ways, not just one time, but every time that we come forward to surrender our will to God's will, to su submit our life to God's purposes for us. And so we come to a table that Jesus prepares as we commemorate that dinner that he had with his disciples. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.